glad you've joined us for this episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Anabaptist Perspectives. I'm here with Nathan Zook, and we're in Washington, D.C. right now. Um, it's a very interesting time because right now uh, the March for Life was just this weekend. Uh, Capitol Building's right behind us here. You live here in the city. And something I've had a lot of questions about over the years is a consistent ethic of life. This is a phrase used by different scholars that would identify with different parts of um, the Anabaptist values. So can, can you just go into that a little where, where if we want a consistent ethic of life, how does that apply when it comes to capital punishment, the death penalty? Right. So the idea of the consistent ethic of life came about because um, there was strong opposition to abortion. Mm. And people, evangelical Christians, began speaking out against abortion, but mm -hmm. not so much against war or capital punishment. Okay. And so uh, Pope John Paul II, when he was alive in the 80s and 90s, really pushed the idea of being consistent across all um, forms of killing. Mm -hmm. And opposing killing, mm -hmm. whether it's the government in war, or the government in capital punishment, or an individual mm -hmm. in abortion. Mm -hmm. And saying if we're going to oppose abortion on the grounds that it is against human life, well, what about these other factors? Mm -hmm. Euthanasia would be another example sure. too. So my question then for you, you know, you're a pastor, and as a conservative Anabaptist, um, how do you respond to, to this teaching of a consistent eth sure. ethic of life? Yeah. So, we ourselves are called to love our, love our neighbors, love our enemies. Mm -hmm. That encompasses everybody. And so mm -hmm. we as Anabaptists, we as believers in Christ, or followers of Christ and His kingdom, we are not to take up arms. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not to say that God Himself is non-resistant. Uh, there have been times where force and war have been condoned, if not ordered, in the Bible. Mm -hmm. But um, we now have been called to love our neighbors and love our enemies. And so, on one hand, that means we will be consistently, as individuals, not committing these acts of killing. Mm -hmm. However, uh, the Bible does give governments, other kingdoms, leeway to carry out social justice and um, retribution for wrongdoing and so forth. Mm -hmm. But that is not our calling as people in Christ's kingdom. Mm -hmm. So how did, the, how did the early thinkers of Anabaptists, the people who would have started this uh, hundreds of years ago, how did they feel about capital punishment and did they address things like abortion? What, what did they say? So I'm not as familiar with the Anabaptist perspective on abortion, the early Anabaptist perspective mm -hmm. on abortion. I have read some about their uh, discussions on capital punishment. Mm -hmm. And because um, I'm not sure how much abortion was a factor back then, you know, it still sure. would have taken place in some ways, but uh, not to the degree it has today. But Felix Motz, one of the charges against him, one of the, the first, considered the first Swiss Anabaptist martyr in uh, Zurich, Switzerland, one of the charges brought against him before he was executed was that he had opposed the government's use of capital punishment. Interesting. And uh, the other person who wrote extensively about this was Menno Simons. Mm -hmm. He mentioned that if a transgressor has repented of their sins and mm -hmm. confessed their sins and um, you know, apologized, then why would we kill somebody who has hmm. moved in that direction? The other thing, the flip side though, what if they have not apologized? What if they have not repented of their sins mm -hmm. as, let's say, a murderer? Then we're putting someone to death 
who no longer has a chance to repent of their sins mm-hmm. and cut it off their chance to confess their sins to God. So those are two, you know, very, very high-profile Anabaptists who, who yeah. took that stance. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, at the time they're, they're living, there's a lot of capital punishment being used against kingdom Christians and early Anabaptists. And so um, they're not talking as much. Uh, Felix Mossman have been talking as much about murderers, but mm-hmm. Menno Simons talked about in the context of the transgressor, somebody who was doing something that was wrong, not mm-hmm. just being a heretic or something. So that hasn't necessarily followed through into all of modern Anabaptist mm-hmm. thought, but that was a... Um, that was a stance taken during that, that time period. Did that stance remain fairly consistent um, throughout Anabaptist history, or was that something more right at the beginning? I think, I think for some people that remained more consistent. Uh, for others, mm-hmm. it sort of became a, a pressure. Once you come to a country like the United States with separation of church and state, um, still the idea that there was religious freedom. And acknowledging Romans 13 that talks about the uh, the power of the sword that God mm-hmm. has ordained, you know, the ministers of the law to carry this out. And so these are not, you know, our church ministers. These are people in the uh, mm-hmm. in greater society. And so acknowledging that the government has that right has led some to then advocate in favor of the use of capital punishment. Where I would say just because the government has that right doesn't mean that we as the church vocally support mm, okay. in that way. Just like we the, don't necessarily condemn it mm-hmm. or speak out against it perhaps, but we don't We know, can't really agree with right? yeah, 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 it's almost like war too. You know, that's something that's pretty clear in the book of Romans, you know, that's part of the government's job is to defend itself or what you know, that that whole thing. But we know as kingdom Christians that's not not something we can be a part of. So it's not exactly. like we can get out there and cheer for something like that. Right. And and the other thing to consider is that if you have um, if we believe it is wrong to kill, mm-hmm. if we believe we would be in sin, if we committed abortion, if we mm-hmm. were part of the machine that carries out um, capital punishment or part mm-hmm. of the war in the military, if that's sin for us, then it's sin for others as well. Yeah. And so we as followers of Christ, can we may not focus on the powers of this world mm-hmm. and their responsibilities and rights, but we do focus on the individual. Mm-hmm. So we as individuals call other individuals to repentance. And so mm-hmm. that means there's no one left to staff the, uh, to, mm. to put in the needle for lethal injection or to strap somebody down in the extra chair, all the better for mm-hmm. the kingdom of God because you now have people being called to repentance. And so yeah. if we knew an executioner, if we knew a soldier, if we knew a, a woman making a decision about abortion, Mm-hmm. Instead of pushing for political legislation, that's not our business. Mm-hmm. But what we would do is call that individual to repentance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, in First Corinthians five, it talks about the idea that um, what takes place in this world. We're not called to judge this world. We're called to judge matters mm-hmm. inside the church with other believers. Mm-hmm. Um, but calling people to repentance is part of our great commission. Yeah. So we don't protest and condemn the world and its actions and its kingdom's policies but by inviting our friends or neighbors or relatives people who come across to a holy life of following Christ then mm-hmm. we'll be removing people from the military from yeah. abortion clinics and so forth. That makes sense. So what scriptures might might be used for these views that you're expressing here? Well yeah so the end of 1 Corinthians 5 emphasizes that we as part of Christ's church 
don't get involved in the things of this world, mm-hmm. making judgments. But on the other hand, you have Christ's call to love our enemies mm-hmm. and turn the other cheek. And so if someone you know, attacks us or our family or abuses um, the, their authority to you know, execute somebody, mm-hmm. then we would want to forgive. And so, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so just you know, the Sermon on the Mount basically is how we are to live, how we are called to live. If we are calling other people to that call as well, as individuals, not as governments, but as individuals, then that's our that's a strong scriptural reference there. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that only God exacts vengeance or justice in that sense. It is not our responsibility to kill people, to force them into their eternal destiny uh, before they... You know, so yeah, if, if they've joined the church, if they've repented of their sins, like Meadow Simon says, then it's kind of awkward to <laughs> to kill them because yeah. they're not a brother in the Lord or yeah. sister in the Lord. And if they have not repented, then we believe that there is that's there's no further chance for repentance. Mm-hmm. And we're Sending somebody to their eternal destiny. That's not our responsibility as yeah. Christians. Yeah. So then, so then, how do you, have you viewed the Anabaptist Church? Uh, are they still holding to these values that the early Anabaptists would have had? Has been there been some deviance from that? Well, how would you, yeah? How would you yeah, gauge that? Today? I definitely feel that Anabaptists today would be pretty uh, conservative. Anabaptists would be pretty uniform in their mm-hmm. idea they'd be wrong to engage in euthanasia, abortion, be part of the military, or mm-hmm. uh, capital punishment. Uh, where I, I do see some differences, people sometimes get so focused on government has this right um, that they almost come across as if they're cheerleaders for war or for mm-hmm. um, capital punishment. And just like we can't, we're not called to maybe oppose policies, we're also not called to support those policies. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds kind of challenging trying to navigate that. What we are called to do is almost more difficult than than protest. I, I wow. spoke to a, a uh, pacifist book study. This was in Wisconsin a couple a number of years ago, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the war with uh, Iraq, mm-hmm. the U.S. involvement in Iraq, and they were really opposed to that. And they wanted me to give a non-resistant perspective, and so I said, now. You know, have you talked to your nephews, your cousins, your sons, and so forth, your grandchildren who are joining the military mm-hmm. during the war on terror and so forth? Well, that was almost more difficult. That was a new thought for them. Mm-hmm. They were focused on protesting, on protesting government structures mm-hmm. and policies. But to actually tell your nephew or your cousin, you know what, we're called to a different calling. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell our friend and neighbor, no, mm-hmm. don't sign up for the military. You can, yeah. you can join our church yeah. instead. And uh, that's that's more difficult than staying outside the White House protesting. Yeah. And so, if anything, it may seem like we are less active. Uh, but actually, I think calling individuals to repentance is much more difficult. Yeah. And you know, if we know somebody who's a prison guard, you know, do like John the Baptist and say, do violence to no man. Mm. I mean, John the Baptist doesn't tell the soldiers who talk to him uh, in the Gospels, get out of the military. He doesn't say, mm-hmm. uh, Rome, is, mm-hmm. Rome is the evil empire. No, he says, do violence to no man. And so that's why I think it's consistent yeah. from his perspective. We focus on the individual, mm-hmm. calling them to repentance, calling them to holiness, um, without getting involved in the governments of this world. I mean, Jesus yeah. doesn't condemn Roman Empire, Paul doesn't condemn mm-hmm. Nero, 
that's not our, our business. If we had a chance yeah. to talk to Nero and sit down with him at a feast, you know, yeah, call him to repentance too, but, <laughs> but we're not there to protest outside yeah. of Caligula's palace or something. Mm-hmm. You've kind of already touched on this a little, but how would you say the current day in a Baptist church would view matters of life? Right, so I think uh, it depends where you are on the Anabaptist spectrum. Uh, sure. There's, there's, very, there's people who are very strongly, uh, have sort of gotten indoctrinated into the, the political parties of this, mm-hmm. this country. And so you will find some who would view themselves more as pacifists than non-resistant. They'll focus a lot mm-hmm. more on war and capital mm-hmm. punishment. Not as much on abortion. Interesting. You'll get Republican uh, sympathizing Anabaptists who will focus a lot on abortion and not speak up so much about capital punishment or war. <laughs> and so both sides are shaping their agendas perhaps more by political parties than by what is what are we called to do as scripture-following uh, believers. And so as scripture-following believers, we can take the stance that all of these are wrong and mm. we're not caught up in the Republican agenda or the Democratic agenda and saying so, we are going to take a stand mm-hmm. and say, this is my calling to follow Christ. And um, as part of his church, we call you to that as well. Yeah. And so I think there's been times where people who get so, they get so focused on the next presidential election mm-hmm. or the next Supreme Court appointment, then it becomes easy to choose and prioritize. Well, this is more important than that. Yeah. But in reality, uh, we don't see that prioritization in Scripture. Mm-hmm. What we see mm-hmm. is that we are to love our neighbors, love our enemies, take mm-hmm. care of the vulnerable and the oppressed, whether that's the infant in the womb, uh, whether that's you know um, a prisoner on death row, whoever is being, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're to visit people in prison. We, they, this is our calling as believers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think if we take that stance and remove ourselves from the political party agendas, then we'll be more likely to um, to really be consistent. Yeah. Not not to the degree that we're trying to emphasize a political ethic of life mm-hmm. to the world, but just that we ourselves can, mm-hmm. I think I think the world will respect that more. Um, they may not agree with us, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but a big sticking point for secular society is to say, well, Christians only speak out against abortion. And uh, therefore, they're inconsistent, and therefore, Christians are being hypocrites and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we, as Anabaptists, can be removed from that criticism mm-hmm. to some degree because mm-hmm. we ourselves will not participate in these activities. Yeah. So, does our opposition to abortion connect with capital punishment? How does that work, and, and are Anabaptists making that connection well? Right. So. I, I see them as being uh, the same on one hand and different on the other. On one hand, okay. you have innocent babies in the womb who have not had a chance to be a transgressor. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you have people on death row, many of whom may be transgressors. There's always people who are on death row, wrongly accused and so forth. But aside mm-hmm. from that, there are people on death row, I think we can all agree, who mm-hmm. probably deserved to mm-hmm. um, be uh, sentenced for their crimes. But uh, it is not our responsibility to decide when a human life ends. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can be consistent. Whether they are a transgressor or not, that's in, that's in God's determination. Mm-hmm. And we can determine in the church when somebody has done things wrong outside the church. That's really in God's uh, judgment. We definitely can look at actions and say these are wrong, these are sinful. 
but we definitely um, are called to to love and there's no there's no restrictions on that we're to love our enemies love those mm -hmm. who, you know pray for those who persecuted us and so if our persecutor is on death row then we want to be pr mm. praying for him um, I, I had the chance in 2001 uh, to be outside the prison in Terre Haute Indiana where um, inside Timothy McVeigh the um, Oklahoma City uh, Federal Building bomber was being executed that night mm -hmm. and I saw people in protests on both sides and uh, you know, strongly in favor of his execution, strongly opposed to his execution. Mm -hmm. And what struck me the most was uh, hearing about a man who had lost a child, an adult child, in the, in the bombing. And he said, now I no longer have a chance to face the transgressor, face Timothy McVeigh, and forgive him, or hear mm. his apology. Wow. In contrast, John Paul II, uh, the previous pope, uh, when he was, it was an assassination attempt on his life in 1981, he went to the prison where the attempted uh, you know, assassin uh, was being held and forgave him mm. face to face. And uh, people don't have that chance uh, once once the death penalty is enacted. So even if the person is a transgressor, there's still still the hope that somebody will seek reconciliation and, and, and apologize to the family of their victims or to have a chance to be forgiven by them. And I think that's, um, that's an important part to consider. Yes, they're not innocent like the, maybe the person in the room, but uh, it's still not our call to mm -hmm. cause a life to, to cease. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a human life either right. way. Yeah. yeah, God will call them to his judgment seat someday. It's not our turn to say, okay, now's, now's when you're going to enter that, enter his presence. Anabaptist Perspectives continues because of the support of generous financial contributors. If you would like to help this work continue, follow the donate button at anabaptistperspectives.org. While you are there, you can read our blog, see our videos of the same conversations that you hear on this podcast. We love to hear from our audience, so leave your feedback in the comments for this podcast, or send us a message through our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back with another episode next week. Thank you for listening to Anabaptist Perspectives. Your listening and sharing this with friends helps more people find our episodes. A special thanks to all of you who support Anabaptist Perspectives financially. We are here because of you. If you haven't had the chance to give yet this year, would you consider making a year-end donation? You can donate on our website or by check. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Anabaptist Perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We invite you to join our monthly partner program. Monthly partners are key to the financial sustainability of Anabaptist Perspectives. Partners also gain access to bonus content, including our exclusive podcast where we respond to audience questions and comments. Sign up at anabaptistperspectives.org.